episode 72 Cool Button Hockey Podcast is underway. And then there were three, soon to be two. Only one can win the Stanley Cup. Everyone, Craig, is talking about game five, and we have a game six Saturday. I ask you, my friend, without Ryan Strom and Philip Heedle, which we don't know. Strom skated in the warm-up. See the look on his face? Could not go. Heedle hurt in game four. OMG, like the kids say, can the Rangers overcome second, third-line center issues and still win Thursday night, honestly? No, I don't think they can. And, you know, you take out Strom, and Strom is a really good catalyst for Artemi Panarin because he's a right shot center. Panarin plays the left wing and he can get the puck to Panarin. And he, he's, you know, Ryan's a really smart player. So he knows how to play with him and he understands when Panarin needs the puck. He, he reads off of him. And, and, and I think that's so important for Panarin. Yeah. You can put Andrew Kopp in the middle, but he's a left shot center that plays hard, plays well, but I don't think he gives Panarin what he needs to the same extent that Ryan Strom does. And now we talk about the kid line. You know, they've been really good. Hedo's been really, really good. But even if he does play in game five, he's injured. He's hurt. You know, there's no question about it. He's not 100%. Neither is Ryan Strom. I think what it also does, too, is it gives the Tampa Bay Lightning an opportunity to, to zero in on Zabanajad. They can really more key in on Zabanajad and, you know, with the defense pairs. And, and so I think that it becomes, it becomes a significant challenge for the New York Rangers. And like I said at the outset, one I don't, uh, one I don't think they can overcome. And even before, and I thought of you, because at 18 and change on the clock, last game, 93 and 10 were together. That was it for Gerard Gallant. That was it, which meant then Kreider, switching, cop, no Strom, Goodrow. That became the new two. And that was okay. And the kid line was still intact then. And then Heedle got hurt. And then the blender. So if I'm the lightning and I've got this Strom not ruled out for game five, what a way for John Cooper to float that matzo ball. Oh, and by the way, thanks for coming. Uh, Braden Point, not ruled out for game five. See him, you know? So he throws that up in the air. And it could be 16 out, 72 out, and 21 in. So I put Sorelli back on Zabanajad, whether they want to stack him or not. I've got the best line in hockey now, 1891 and 86. And they are hot, hot to the touch, hot to the touch. Like, are you kidding me? And then I would do this. I'd put point as the fourth line right winger. And when they go through the rotations to get Braden point going, he's going to go up against Mott, Reeves, and Rooney. So now if I'm John Cooper, I might have all four lines my advantage. You imagine you're Ryan Reeves and Tyler Mott and Braden points back. Power play, I put him back in the bumper. And then I get him acclimated to being back and now people are so i've got sorelli on zabanajad i've got the stammer line i've got the nick paul line and i've got point on the fourth line check check boris 
getting into the checkmate position for Saturday. That's scary. And I think the penalties are going to be like one for two, two, one and two. And Craig, it's what you said. If we play this game like this, five on five tonight, I don't like the Rangers odds, especially with the injuries. Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, I agree with you. you. You know, the other thing too, when you talk about Zibanejad, so, you know, you put Zibanejad with Panarin. Well, well, well now you got a left, sh- left shot playing with Kreider. That takes away Kreider's speed. One of the things that makes Zibanejad and Kreider so good, Kreider's got that unbelievable speed that opens up the ice. So, you know, Zibanejad now can make plays into the corner. He doesn't have to make tape-to-tape plays. He can make plays in the space. And Kreider can get to the puck, and now he gained the zone. And then Zibanejad's so smart that he gets there. It changes the – that's not the way Panarin plays. <laughs> so now, again, we talk about the, 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 the trickle-down effect or the trickle-across effect. Trust me. Gerard Gallant knows this too. I'm not, this isn't anything from the vault. Gerard Gallant knows this. John Cooper knows this too. So now you're trying to figure out how can I maximize the individual players to the greatest extent possible? What I would do, I'll tell you what I would do. I would put Cop in the middle with the kid line if Hedo can't play. I would leave the Zabanajad line alone, and then I would find a stopgap to play in the middle with, with, with Panarin. That, 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 that's what I would, that's what I would try to do. That's what, that's where I would look. I know Goodrow could do it on a short term, but you can swing Rooney and, and Goodrow in there at different points and, and, and just kind of rotate it. But I, I would try to keep a, a little bit of a familiarity, you know, keep in mind, Cackle's looking at a left shot center and in, in Heedle. So let's keep it the same there. Don't switch to me. You, you switch it around like like that with Panarin with Zibanejad and Cop. It, it it changes the whole dynamic, and I think you limit the impact of, of your top players. And 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 I get all that. And the the key is the Rangers are short, like they're short. They're short, irreplaceable players, right? We're, we're moving around chess pieces on what could be a Titanic, and saying who's who is gonna make things better offensively, right? Like the, and, and, and the, at the other side, the series changed when, 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 when Stammer made it two two, did it change when the first power play goal was scored by Kucherov? I think it changed when Truba tripped Kalorn. They were on the double minor, you yeah. know, you know, it, like there was a, a lot of moments. It was, the door was open on the road, game three, up three to nothing opportunity third period you've got that lead into the third that's still not ken hitchcock like but still good and then the lightning just um like a shark they had their bite um and now a lot of these things have turned the other way i look at what the rangers have tonight and i don't know how they're gonna keep up four lines with the lightning especially at point plays you know i He'll score two big goals, Craig, as you know, in game number one. Oh. You know, um, Strom makes Panarin go. And then Cop on the other side. Now, Cop in the middle, Cop with the kids. I I don't want to I don't want to speak doom and gloom. I think it's got to be a Shesterkin one-nothing empty net, two-nothing win. Like it's <laughs> like, like now you're asking Shesterkin. I know we've asked you this a lot. I know you're the busiest guy in the office. Do you mind staying again late, <laughs> sleeping at your desk or underneath it, and 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 then 
we're going to need you to do it again. <laughs> and if they win, we're going to need you to do it. It's, it's, we're at that moment. Like we are at, this is the meal, Banya. Like this is the Rangers. This, this is it game five. This is it. Here's the one thing I would say, and, and I think that, that you're right, but but if, if anybody is capable of doing that, it's Shesterkin. I mean, I, I look at Shesterkin, and I, I said the confidence, it looks like Patrick won 93. And, I mean, he had a season like Dominic Hasek had. And I know when we played Dominic Hasek in 1999, he was great. I mean, you look at – I mean, he, he took that to game six, triple overtime, and everything we had to, to, to find a way to emerge victorious. That, that, that's the greatness of Dominic Asha. And, you know, certainly Shesterkin has shown that uh, in his brief NHL career, but that's what they're going to need. They're, they're going to need Dominic, to, uh, like the, what Dominic uh, would say is, don't worry, they're not getting another one, guys. Just play until we get the next one. Like, that's how confident that, uh, I don't know if Shesterkin's there yet in his career, he plays, but, you know, when you, when you look at it, 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 it's a capability that he has. But here's the here's the bigger I shouldn't say bigger challenge, but the Tampa Bay Lightning are capable of winning one nothing. I think that's one of the biggest biggest things that we. It's not like the Tampa Bay Lightning need to win three one. They can win one nothing empty net goal, Steve. Yeah, it's a good point, and we've seen them do it, right? Like we, we saw them <laughs> say the, we've seen them do it. <laughs> yeah, we to the Islanders. We've talked about this the one nothing Olympic uh, semifinal Canada U.S. game and the one nothing Tampa Islander game. Islander fans say, oh, one, one nothing in game seven. We were right there. I didn't see it that way. I didn't see I saw the Lightning say, we're prepared and going to play to win one nothing." And I saw an Islander team last year that I thought was simply not talented enough to win the cup, that the next step wasn't coming. But they that they squeezed the toothpaste on this as much as they could and needed to improve their skill set. Not that they were going up, that they were stagnant, that they went as far as they could with the group. Turned out to be true. And the Lightning win and go on to play Montreal and play them in the same style. So I wonder if the Rangers think, oh, we got to be better five on five. We're short, so Fox is going to take some early chances and pinch up the wall and, and be the, the, the third, fourth forward to make something happen. And then the lightning counter strike because they know they're short. So it's this little game that we're going to see. I really want to see Braden point and, and his usage as we say, because I think he is like, he's like bringing the shark to the beach. Don't worry. He's just going to be, he's, he doesn't bite like, cause that is, if, if it's a plus three, Heedle out, Strom out, point in, that's a huge psychological and physical advantage for Tampa Craig. So Riley Nash played nine minutes, just over nine minutes in, in game four. So I, I would ask you this, can you get Braden point nine minutes, comfortable nine minutes, power play. So if that's two power plays, there's, Two, two and a half minutes, let's call it two and a half minutes of, of, of if you don't score, right? But let's just call it two and a half minutes or so. So can you get him another six and a half, seven minutes in the game, as you pointed out on the right wing, playing fourth line, spotting him, not putting him up against Keandre Miller where Keandre can lean on you, 
you know, but putting him in situations that like, you know, he can get back into a rhythm. I do. I really believe it. I really, he's not dressing if he's not capable of finishing the game. That's the first thing. If Strom and he don't dress, then they can't finish. They'd rather have the 14th forward. Yeah. Then, because so, now you're, now you're really down. Like now, now you're in a very tough position, but point in there is a game changer because he needs one shot. He's got 30 goals in the last three playoffs. And that includes this year. Nobody has more in the bumper position. You saw Perry two great chances last game. That's great. Two great chances last game, but Perry at his age is still not Braden point in a spot that he's special. He's special. And the lightning power play is, it's, it's missing Braden point. It's you got the numbers, the Ranger one is better. So I I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm excited. It's, it's changed. It can change back again. Um, Ranger fans are scared that it feels like this is it. And they felt a bit of entitlement that I don't care that Jari only played one game. I don't care that Freddie wasn't in the series. I don't care that Braden point. Oh, he's back. Oh, now we've got hurt guys. Like this is Craig. And you've taught me with those essays. This is as much here kids. I'm pointing to my mind as it is here. Heart as it is here. Legs. I'm going to really, I'm going to enjoy the game. I'm going to enjoy the start up to the first TV timeout. Who's bringing it? Who's going to be the guy? Maybe it's Andrew Kopp, your guy. Maybe the Lightning go for it off the top. They're going to set the early tone. It's going to be great playoff hockey. No question about it. And it's going to be a great atmosphere, as we know, in MSG. And, I mean, I'll be really straightforward. The Rangers season's on the line in game five. Now, I know people are, what do you mean? They're not out. It's on the line in game five. <laughs> I'm with you. I can't see a scenario where the Rangers lose game five and win the series in seven. I agree. I yep. agree. Yep. And the Lightning aren't going to lose 6-2 again. So everything's going to be close. And we've talked about numbers and I don't like, so the Rangers have won eight in a row at home. The Rangers are 4.22 at home, 2.22 against. They haven't lost a game since the triple overtime game. The home records this year have been really good. It feels like it's 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 now, like it's now for the numbers. Like this is still a team that's not a red tomato yet. Like I get it. Like it's it's our essay. They have to lose first. So tonight's the night on Broadway. We're gonna see if the understudies can be the stars for the Rangers. And real life, real drama, real TSN, Craig. That's what it's all about. And you know what? It just feels like the smart money is on the visitors. Time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL, brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book, 19 plus, play responsibly. Three teams left, two guaranteed games, five and six. Who do you be? Who do you like? Well, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you heard John Cooper's press conference the other day when they asked him about, you know, what are the keys? Well, I think that uh, Captain Obvious told me, you know, <laughs> stay out of the penalty box. Five on five, the Tampa Bay Lightning are, are, are ruling the series. They're ruling the series in five on five. So what I would say is 
They've established their five-on-five team. They've established their discipline, and the Rangers don't look like they can put a dent in it. I'm going Tampa Bay in game five. Game five on Broadway, Tampa Bay, three in a row. And yeah, Steve, I'm going to jump ahead to Saturday. The second team will be confirmed. That's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay, I don't know if this is good or bad because (laughs) we're on the same page. So I'll say this for our friends out there. 3-2, close game late, empty netter, Lightning win 4-2. That's six goals if it matters to you. We go to game six, lower scoring, 3-1. Great year for the New York Rangers, but the Lightning play the avalanche in the final we want, Craig. That's especially with what we just discussed with the injured players. Yeah, and, and, and let's keep this in mind. Injured players and Braden points. Speaking of injured players, it's on the cusp of returning. Now, I don't know when it's going to be. But I know this, he's on the cusp of returning, and that just makes a strong Tampa Bay Lightning team that much stronger. And I'll just finish with this. Take take Andre Palat in your pool, kids. Yes, well said. With the most competitive odds, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now. Head to sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. That's sportsinteraction.com cool button pod 19 plus play responsibly. So that's the Ranger Tampa Bay story. Three teams left. The other one's Colorado. And it just feels like this is it. If I'm the abs, it's either June 15th or the 18th. And we're at home for sure. And these teams have not done a lot of traveling outside their time zones in a while. Now, Tampa did have a Western trip in March. The Rangers haven't been this far and this high since January. They had a central trip in March, but we're in June anyway. March, April, May, like like this is, like if I'm the abs, I jump all over anyone in games one and two for sure. This altitude thing, fact or fiction, Craig? Well, I mean, we, we know that altitude has, uh, has different effects, and, and, and it's, a lot of it is how you feel. You know, I, I, do, I do sit in amazement when, you know, I read about things, teams going in a couple of days earlier uh, so they can get adjusted to the, to, to, to the altitude. Adjustment, understand what adjustment is. Adjustment is, is trying to understand how that feels for your body. You're not getting any, you're not gaining any training advantage. You're not gaining any aerobic advantages. And, and conversely, you, you're not at any, at any real anaerobic or aerobic disadvantage. It's just, it's a different feel how, how you feel going in there. And so trying to get, understand that like, Hey, your conditioning is good. Your conditioning is strong, but understand, Hey, you might have to have your shifts be five to seven seconds shorter at the outset to just get used to it. But like, if you think you're going in and you're going to, you're going to get acclimated to, to the altitude, like from an aerobic anaerobic, if you're not in shape, what, what you're not getting, you're not getting in shape. Well, I shouldn't say in shape. You're not gaining any advantage by going there for two or three days. And you're not at any disadvantage by going there for two or three days. It's about just understanding that it feels a little bit different. Steve, you're a runner. Okay. So like, you know, and I, I know growing up in the East and now being in the West, but I, I grew up with humidity. I run, I, I, I do lots of aerobic and anaerobic activity, but I know when I come to the East, I, it, like it feels different. Like it, because the humidity, it makes you feel different. Like, you know, and you, 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 you sweat a little bit more, like, you know, because the humidity is a factor, but, but, but 
I, I can still run at the same rate. I can still train. I'm still in good shape. It's just understanding what the feel is. And that's the same thing going to altitude. You know, the, you talk about it like in, in, in ice and, in, you know, in, in speed skating circles, they love, they love going to Salt Lake City because it's considered the fast, that in Calgary is considered the fastest ice in the world. It's because of altitude. Do you, do you think the speed skaters go there and skate those fast times <laughs> by going there two days earlier and acclimating? <laughs> They're already in great shape to, to, to skate at that, at that world-class level. It's the same thing with hockey players. So you just need to understand it feels a little bit different, understand how it feels, and then carry on. That's why you go a little bit earlier. But, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I think that if I'm, the, if I'm the Colorado Avalanche, right, you, you want to just try to stay sharp. Look what happened to the Tampa Bay Lightning in games one and two. John Cooper said they weren't sharp. We watched with our eyes. They weren't sharp. I think that that's the hardest thing for the Colorado Avalanche. You talk about being ready for games one and two. They'll be ready. But are you sharp? Are you sharp? I mean, we're talking about there could easily be a nine day, a 12 day. <laughs> there could be there, there could be that long of a gap between uh, when Colorado played their last game and the first game of the Stanley Cup final. So not yeah, easy to the, stay sharp. And the, and the advantage would be, and you're talking about feel, it feels like Kemper's back and it feels like with the layoff, they're going to start with him, even though Francois has been so good. I, I don't know. And it feels like the layoff will help in terms of Nazem Kadri, who kind of circled Darren Dreger's uh, text, tweet, whatever on Instagram, and basically said, we'll see about that. So that's a, that's a confident person of saying, um, I don't know, game four, game five. So there is something about maybe a slower avalanche start, at least at the beginning, but it just, it feels like their time. If Rantanen moves into the middle on the second line, they're still deep. JT Comfort on the third line. They got McCarr, they got McKinnon, they got Landis Gog. They're still very good. They got two goalie options um, and they might have Kadri back. So that's, they're, they're still in a very good spot. They know this series is going six. That gives them June 15th. If there's a winner in game six, that's not the winner in game five. Then they get another few days, Craig, which might hurt the rest rust factor, but might help the cadre factor. I, I just, it just feels different with Nas. It just feels that that, that circling of the tweet and text and Instagram posts means I think we're going to see Braden point. I think we're going to see Nazem Kadri. Listen, Nazem Kadri wants to see Nazem Kadri. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, it's one of those things like, like we, we, we don't know what the extent of the injury is. We know, you know, Darren Drager reported that he'd had surgery. What, what, what did he, what did he have? What did he have? Like, was it stabilizing the bone? Was it just setting it? Was it just trying to make sure? And, and, and you know what, like understanding a non-displaced fracture or a ligament or whatever, and understanding what, I, I don't know. All I know is, you know, when Jared Bednar said he's out for this series, if not longer, that was before they had the medical report and before the doctors had seen him. Well, now after the surgery, and that was reported, now Naz is going, oh, we'll see about that. Naz knows too. So Naz knows is like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to get back in here, understand what it means. And maybe it's game one, Steve. If it's 12 days, I don't know what the healing process is because I don't know what the injury is. But I know this. 
I think Naz is uh, pretty confident that he's going to be playing in the Stanley Cup final. That's good news for the Colorado Avalanche and, and really great news for Nazem Kadri. Yeah, and I think because he shoots left and that's his top hand, that's better than the other way around. Actually, Steve, it depends. It depends because you always have your top hand on the stick. And so checking and being able to hold that stick firmly on your top hand, right? You don't check with your bottom hand on the stick. You know, you're, you're a lot of times, you, and you need to have, le- to get leverage, you need that top hand. Take your top hand or not have strength in your top hand. Try to get leverage. Good well, luck. I, okay. Good luck. I, you know what? For, <laughs> for defense, you're right. For shooting and passing, when he puts both hands on the stick, yeah. if it's a bottom hand, it's harder. So no question right. about it. No, yeah. it, 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 you, you, you know, there's what, what I, what, what, how I should have framed it is it, it depends what, what you're doing in the game with that top hand. And your point is, is, is right on spot on, but the other parts of it with the leverage, like turning, holding the puck, like leaning, you know, somebody gets the, you know, you, if you can't do that, not, now you're not as strong on the, on, on, on the puck, but, there's the positive and the negative. All I know is this. He's positive. He's going to play. I love yeah. it. So those are the three teams still standing. Let's go into the silly season. Uh, Oilers. I'm not sure what I learned in the, uh, in the, in the dressing room clean out um, Evander Kane, Mike Smith. There's a, there's a lot there. Wasn't there a quote that Ken Holland said, I, I don't, I can't bring this team back, which in theory means they're going to get worse. So let's dissect the Oilers. It was a great season. This is what they needed. This is what they needed. Don't say, well, you know, disappointing, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. This is what McDavid needed, Dreisaitl needed, all of that stuff. It was great. The fan base, they needed this infusion. Great. Now what? Well, I mean, no team comes back in tax, Steve. That's, that, that, that's a fact. So, like, Ken Holland saying this team's not coming back as is, like, thanks. Like, no kidding. Like, no team. All 32 teams are different. From season to season. That's a fact. Here's the biggest thing he said when he was asked, do you have a number one goaltender? He said, no, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't lead into the question. He didn't, he said, no, he said, no. And they don't. Mike Smith, he had his brilliant moments until he didn't have his brilliant moments. And that's the problem with erratic goaltending. And we can look at, you know, over the course of the season and, uh, look at the different challenges the Edmonton Oilers had with, with, with goaltending. It's no less now. It was no less evident in the, in the conference. What, what people don't think about is that the goaltending was, was really subpar against Calgary Flames. The, the series got sloppy. Jacob Marstrom had a, picked a bad time to have fat, bad, bad five. Here, here's what happened in the Calgary Edmonton series. Mike Smith was bad. And Jacob Marshall was worse. And, and, and Mike Smith carried it into the conference final. End of story. Okay. That's the problem with the radical. You never know when it's going to rear its ugly head. And its ugly head appeared. Ken Holland, you know, I said it during the year. And I, I give Ken a lot of credit for saying, hey, I have belief in what we're doing. And, and understanding what the market is. He talked about number one goaltenders. Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter. When I worked with Daryl Sutter, he said, we all have an idea of where we want to go. We all have an idea of who fits best in that box, whether it be a top pair defenseman, your, your lines and everything. Same thing with the, with the goaltender. What Ken Holland has to do is upgrade the goaltender. He might not get a, a top-notch number one Jacob Marshall, 
but he's got to upgrade the goaltending. Anything less than upgrading the goaltending in, 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 in a measurable way is a failure on his part. There's no other way to put it. And when you watch what Dreisaitl and, and McDavid did in this, in this, in this playoffs, absolutely playing at an, at, at a, at a higher level, which is necessary to their team. They delivered a message that said, we can do it, but we need help. So help us, kid. Yeah. Well, I would say, so I would say the, okay. I don't know really who. So uh, they trade for Varlama, whatever we've brought up names before. So that's upgrade, fine. Upgrade, upgrade. Let's keep going. Like forget about no, Keep going. What that's one upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. That's two. Go ahead. Okay. They, they need somebody else on the blue line and then they either need Vander Kane back or whoever's going to replace Vander Kane. So they need a, a, a forward, a defenseman and a goalie. So it's busy. Like it's busy. And, and Kane, what kind of leverage do you think he had? Like, do you think the Flyers would give him three times seven? Like, the Oilers couldn't go there. Would would he go one year, five million in Edmonton? Is And, you know, we all want money and whatever's gone on with Kane's finances make it seem like he might need to cash in now more than, you know, a player who's the same age who has not had any financial issues. So I think the Oilers are good, right? But they're not Avalanche good. So they can compete with Calgary, can better than LA, but they need a goalie. think they need something else on the blue line. And then they need Kane or something else up front. That's a lot of wish list things. So where's Kane's leverage in this league right now? So a couple of things I'll say about Evander. Evander's a really good player. He, he was a really good player long before he got to Edmonton. Yep. And, and, and everybody saw it. And we saw that Connor McDavid has never had a left winger like, like that with him in his career. So, so we know Evander's a really, really good player. I think there's two things that, that come into play here for Evander. Number one, I don't know how it's going to play out with, uh, with, the, uh, 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 with the situation with his contract in San Jose. I, I, I think that that might have some impact on how Evander is thinking about, like, you know, th- th- does he get some of his money? Does he get all of his money? Does he get none of his money? I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to, like, I have no idea, uh, you know, where that sits. But I think that that could be a factor in determining and saying, okay, you know, I got, here's this. Well, no, I got to go somewhere else or because I'm getting offered more or, you know what, I I can afford to take a little less here because I got this from San Jose and I'm going to give myself a chance. Maybe he looks at it as Marin Hossa did. Marin Hossa went to Detroit, right? And he he looked at it and he said like, hey, this is a good opportunity for me uh, to go to a good team and establish my value. I mean, keep in mind, Marin Hossa was offered a long-term contract by the Edmonton Oilers, by the Edmonton Oilers. And he turned them down for a one-year deal. Maybe Evander Kane does that. And he looks at it and goes, hey, what happens if I become a 45-50 goal scorer playing in Edmonton for one year? What does my market become then? So I think these are considerations. But I think that the Edmonton Oilers are a much better team. And Connor McDavid has the luxury of having a player on his flank that he's never had. And I, I think that becomes significant. Now, that being said, I don't think they need one forward. I think they need three or four. I think they need three or four because watching that series, they got very little down their, down their forward group. They got very, very, very little. And you cannot go on, uh, down. You cannot go deep in the playoffs. The Edmonton Oilers, right? Now, they're not close. I don't think they're close. I'm going to wait and see what they do with their goaltending. I'm going to wait and see what happens with Kane. And I'm going to wait and see if they can add three. Dylan Holloway should be on the team next year. I think he's more than ready to be on the team. Right. Now, what else do you do? I'm not talking about $5 million players. They need speed. They need some players that can 
factor into the game in, in significant ways. Look at the O'Connor, Helm, Cogliano line. That's fun to play against. <laughs> yeah, there's no rep. Like, and it's that, not an expensive line. It. And it's not an expensive line. I think they're going to move off Pooley RV. So um, it'll be an interesting offseason in Edmonton for sure. For sure. Well, so the Boston Bruins, they make a why move. Why should they? Why should they move off of Pooley RV? I'm just asking. Um, I think that he's not elite top six. So put I, him in as a third line right winger. Yeah, and I think that I I think with money being a factor for the Oilers, might be a time to to trade his RFA if they give Yamamoto the money, and then I think for Puliyarvi, if he's not top six, then I there's a lot of CBA stuff with Puliyarvi that he would have an advantage if arbitration elbow goes to arbitration can't walk away. Do you, do you want to give that much money? If you get Pugliarvi at a price that you want for one year and then say, let's try it again, that's that might be fine. It might be time to move up. I think McDavid would have 135 points if Pugliarvi was a better finisher this season. I really do. I I, I think the small, uh, uh, and I, I want to get to some other things here, but the small thing, the puck pop, pops over the net, Pugliarvi's got an empty net and shoots it wide. Like Pugliarvi is, he's not the skilled tradesman. He's not the guy who comes to your house uh, and wows you with his carpentry. He, he hits his thumb. Uh, he, he uh, forgot his toolbox. He's, he's to me, I, 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 we're in a capped world, Craig. I, I, I don't know if I want to keep going in this direction. Real easy. Third line winger. You keep talking about him on the first line. Don't put him there. You're right, Steve. He's not, he's not capable. So put him on the third line and it'd be real simple. Here's how exactly I would deal with Jesse Pugliarvi. Here's what we're offering you. Here's what we'll pay you. And if you accept it, great. If not, we're not qualifying you. Okay. That, that's good. If you can do that, I'm with you. Third that's line, right? That's how I control it. Okay. Right? Like, that's how I control it. And yeah. like the, but don't blame Yessi Pugliarvi for being put in a spot that he can't handle. If you call in the framer to do your finishing work, like, that's your fault. That's not the, that's not the framer's fault for not being able to do finishing work. He's not a finisher. He's not a finish. We know. <laughs> Final thoughts, ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod. Our buddy Paul Cohen will take care of you. Ceiling fans, puck light fixtures. That's our discount, ultimatehockeyfans.com. Check out the stuff, ladies and gentlemen. You will be wowed. The coaching carousel. Bruce Cassidy's too tough. Uh, Nate Lehman is, is ready for prime time. Talk it, Tortorella, tr Trotz. Uh, you name it, you got it. Uh, Peter DeBoer, Detroit. I don't know. We tried to play the coaching carousel yesterday. Can you connect anyone to like is Trotz fate complete, or is Vegas going to get in on the Barry Trotz bandwagon? I, I don't know where, where Barry, but I mean, Barry has Barry can look at a lot of different scenarios and like not just the team on the ice, but how he fits, you know, you know. How, how management and coaching is going to work with input and different ideas and everything. So I don't think Barry's just looking to go stand behind a bench. He like, you know, he's had massive success and he's looking at, Hey, what, what can work for me? 
And and I don't think he's just being narrow. I mean, do I think that Winnipeg would benefit from Barry Trotz? Yeah. Do I think Vegas would benefit from Barry Trotz? Yeah. Do I think Detroit would benefit from Barry Trotz? Yeah. Do I think Boston? Hey, wait a second. Do I think the Washington Capitals would benefit from Barry Trotz? Yeah, I do. So let, let's not just look at the openings, okay? Like, who wouldn't benefit from Barry Trotz? So I think Barry's in, in, in a spot. Bruce Cassidy, very, very interesting. You know, I think that when you look at it, Steve, and, and, and I think this is, a, th- th- this is a big thing, you know, Don Sweeney alluded to they might be in a different spot now with respect to their team. You know, McAvoy out, Bergeron undecided, Marchand out for the beginning of the year. Go back to 2015. Imagine at 13, 14, and 15 if they could redraft. They'd have those players at 24, 25 that could really help in a retool, not a rebuild. So that's where it's reared its ugly head right now. Bruce Cassie, I don't know what else you wanted him to do. He was he was a brilliant coach in Boston. I thought he did fantastic work. I think that any team, teams with coaches can upgrade by hiring Bruce Cassidy. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. Uh, some of the rumblings on the people we've had on the show talked about Dallas. Uh, and they also said, um, well, they, they, they said what you said about how good he is. He'll coach again. I believe in a month when we go to the draft, Bruce Cassidy will be sitting at a table. I, I think that, cause that's, that would be good. You've got your time. You've got your time to interview him. There's these vacancies. So um, I think Bruce Cassidy will be at a draft table. I really do Craig. And if the Bruins are going in another direction, they're the one of eight, maybe the capitals as well who are playoff teams in one conference who might not be the next year. So the bullseyes on the Capitals and the Bruins for the reasons that you mentioned, there might be a changing of the guard. So wake up Ottawa. I don't think Detroit's ready. I don't know where you are in New Jersey, but if a spot opens up, let's see Craig who is ready to take it. Exactly. And, and not just take the job take the team to a higher level is ottawa ready for what next step what's the next step like you know getting out out of the lower 10 of the league <laughs> no, i'm dead serious steve like you know can they be a playoff a, bubble a bubble give me a break look at the blue line steve look at the blue line okay wait a sec okay so here, here here's where i'm gonna go with you right now right here okay so florida tampa bay and toronto they going anywhere Nope. Okay. Okay. So, so now, so now they're at best, they're looking at, at, at fourth, which is wild card. Okay. So just go look at the wild card teams in, in, in the East. I don't think Ottawa's ahead of Buffalo right now. Oh, this is going to make our summer solstice, silly season chatter before we say goodbye. That's a tease, ladies and gentlemen. That's a tease. We covered the Avalanche, the Rangers, the Lightning, the Oilers, silly season coaches. I think that's enough for episode 72. For Craig Button, I'm Steve Coolius. Enjoy games five and six. We don't think there'll be a seven. The Avalanche hope that there is. We'll see you on episode 73. Until then, be well. Be well.